Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. We will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello everybody, welcome to the Bouncer Roundtable podcast, this is episode 6. Um, today we're going to take a small break from the politics content because I think all of us um, are exhausted by it uh, <laughs> for the most part reading about this day in day out writing about it day in day out and um, I just thought we'd, we'd chat to chat to you guys about how you got started in um, writing writing specifically about politics mm-hmm. uh, I put it to you guys and you guys seem very receptive to the idea about talking about it so I, I feel you're on the same page as me it's like okay like <laughs> we want something else to talk about like, to talk about Definitely. politics all the time um so uh justin uh, i want to, to start with you my friend uh how did you get started writing about politics um it was two ways uh and, and I, I don't know if bob remembers this but um I, I do credit him with me getting started with writing in politics um and it's funny because now i write on the same website and i'm doing a podcast with him which thrills me to no end on a regular basis um which i'm sure he's kind of blushing right now if i could see him i'm sure he'd be like "Uh." Uh, (laughs) but uh i i stumbled across um his blog uh a gazillion years ago um bob seska go and um i had started reading it uh this was after i just stumbled across keith olbermann's show and that's what got me started paying attention, like really paying attention to politics. And then I started reading stuff online and his was one of the first blogs I came across and started reading quite regularly. Um, and I was reading it and um, it was, it was, it was regular writing it was approachable. It wasn't like, it wasn't newspaper writing. Um, and I had taken journalism. I had taken a journalism class uh, in college and it was not my style of writing at all. It was very regimented and it was not at, I mean, people who read my articles know that the New York times would be, would sneer at my writing. It's like, ah, how dare you write like this? It's not the type of writing I'm capable of. Mine's much more um, informal. I'm a blogger more or less. So, but I was reading that and it was very relatable. It was very approachable and well within my capabilities as a writer, I was like, I can, I can write this kind of stuff. I, I like this. This is, this is my, this is my capabilities. This is what I can do. But it didn't occur to me to actually try it until I saw someone on Facebook advertising for writers for a blog. It turned out to be addicting info, which you know, there's a whole story there about how it started well, good intentions went very wrong but they started with good intentions and that i ended up was like you know what i read this stuff all the time i'll give it a try 
and then I started writing. I mean, my second article I ever wrote was Republican Jesus. And that article was read, I don't know, three million times. Uh, it had like three million views to it. This is before Facebook was artificially crushing the reach of, um, you know, the, the how far an article could spread. So it was like, oh, well, okay. Apparently I can get people to read my stuff. And I've been writing for about 12 years at this point, 10, 11 years. So, yeah, that's how I got started. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> oh, hang on. my mic. Uh, sorry, my microphone was muted. I just realized. <laughs> I'm back. Don't worry, I'm going to edit this. No, I, I, I muted you by accident, Bob. That was my fault. I thought I was muting myself, but I muted you instead. So uh, I was kind of, uh, I was like laughing along with uh, Justin. So you recorded none of that. No, no, we recorded none <laughs> of it. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's, it's, like, wow, it's under- speechless. I'm in- <laughs> You know, I was like, either he's really embarrassed or this is really annoying him. I can't quite tell. He's not responding in no, any thought, way whatsoever. I heard every word and I am immensely honored. Thank you for uh, allowing me to <laughs> to trigger your politics writing career. I, I'm going to keep this all in, by the way. I'm not editing this, by the way. So okay, good. If you're listening, you can see how, like, this is, we're real pros at this kind of thing, right? <laughs> I thought I was mute. I was like, okay, I'm going to mute myself because I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to cough or, or, you know, I don't know. Um, and I ended up muting Bob, and Bob was being talked about. So I'm, why is Bob not saying anything? Why is Bob? And I looked at him. Like, this is oh, a well-oiled machine we got going here. Yeah, right, you know, actually, I, I noticed that I was muted, but I thought you did it intentionally. Like, okay, the Sorry, floor Bob. is Justin's. Bob can shut the fuck up now. Yeah, yeah, that's what kind of that's what kind of boss I am. That's what kind of that's what kind of person I am. All right, I want everyone to know their place, right? That's it, man. It's time for a new tea party. That's yeah, right. tyranny, tyranny from the British. Yeah, Justin, keep yeah, watch yourself. I'm going to mute you as well in a second. <laughs> Um, that's a great story though justin honestly that that i had no idea so you actually responded to an advertisement for i didn't know back then well, was it an advertisement because i don't think facebook had advertisements at the time he was just it was just someone's post it was a post i saw on facebook i just happened to see it i was like looking for people to write for a blog and i was like i'm a stay-at-home parent i've got fuck all to do all day i had an mm-hmm. infant who just slept most of the time i was like well I have nothing to do particularly. He's <laughs> sleeping. I can write. So there we went. <laughs> and then and how, how long were you uh, addicting info? Is that how much, how much can you speak out about this, by the way, Justin? Cause I know the story behind addicting info is a crazy one. I don't know. what. Oh, that, I mean, it's a long and crazy story, but I mean, I was there from 2009 when it, I mean, it started like a month before I started writing for them. And I was there until, when did you hire me? 2016, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I mean, you picked me up like two months after they fired me for attempting to unionize. Oh, wow. Is that why? I didn't know that. Or maybe yeah. I did and I forgot, but yeah, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't an official unionization effort, mm. but a bunch of the writers got together and editors got together and said, hey, you guys are kind of screwing us out of a lot of money and you're having us write like constant work, nonstop articles and we're not making any money. 
and they just fired most of us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, what just happened over at, um, what was it, Current Affair? Yeah. Same, oh, same thing. Wild. The Current Affair thing was absolutely crazy. I don't know if it, not to go too wildly off topic, but I don't know, Bob, did you see about the Current Affair? What happened at Current Affairs? No, I don't know anything about that. The oh cur- my current God, Affair, the old show that was hosted by Maury Povich back in the 80s well, and 90s. It became, is that it's what? like a website now run by Nathan J. Robinson, the super progressive guy. Oh, okay. The right. um, so it has nothing to do with the old tabloid television no, show. No, just, just in name. Okay. So it's it's got the same name. So that's yeah. a clever bit of marketing there. Sure. What what and so what happened there? Uh basically um Robinson um was running the site and he was supposed to be, you know, we're all together and it's progressive and you know, we're together, yada yada yada. And his staff said, mm-hmm. Okay, cool, we're all together. We want to change the direction of the site. And he said, Yeah, we're not that together. Fuck y'all, you're fired. You're fired. Wow. Yeah, you're fired. It was it was an amazing kind of I've never seen anything like that really. Well, I have. I, I say mm-hmm. that I have. Uh, the melt you know, some media company meltdowns have been spectacular. Yeah. But the current affairs uh, one w- was fairly spectacular and very public. Yeah, Jeremy uh, Fassler, the, he used to write here, he was like he was like a pig in shit. He was like, ah, <laughs> Because he hates Robinson, and he's been calling him out for years, and he was like, "Told you, wow, I called it." I had <laughs> no idea that this was going on in any way, shape, or form. It was just was not on my radar at all, yeah. and it sounds like a much bigger deal. It makes me feel out of touch. I'm so out of the loop. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's. Um, I hadn't heard about it until a couple. I can't remember who put it on my radar, but then I read it. The guy is in. He's a Brit. He's he's a British born. Um, a guy in DC somewhere, and um, mm-hmm. they've got this magazine. You know, look, I don't, I don't, dis- I don't dislike the guy. Uh, you know, he's a Bernie Sanders leftist. Um, he, he, he's uh, he wrote a quite a good piece taking down um, Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald, which I agreed with very much. Nice. Mm-hmm. I know it was weird. It just came out of nowhere. So it was like, what? Robinson wrote this? Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> I um, remember reading that, and I'm going, like, wow. It's really good. It was a very good piece. It was very long, but very good piece. But the, the current affairs, the implosion was spectacular because I'm friends with this guy on Facebook and, you know, his he was writing apologies about how he dealt with it on Facebook and, you know, mm-hmm. sorry, we're going on hiatus for a couple of months while we resolve this. And his friends with the staff and the staff are commenting on his Facebook post saying, like, I can't believe you've behaved like this. And, and he was, it was, I mean, wow. You know, everybody like loads of people. I think it was covered in the New York Times as well. It was covered it was, like everywhere. It was impressive. Oh my god! Okay, so I'm I've been out to lunch all this time. Yeah, Bob. Jesus, Bob, you, you're not in the loop, my friend. If you, you know, I, no. <laughs> it, it, uh, someone's got to cool tell me. I, I, yeah, I'm just I'm not getting the emails or something. Something's not going through. I'm oh, I'm oh. going to blame the internet. Yeah, yeah, it's the internet's fault, Bob. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna send you. I'll send you. I'll send you some stuff about it. I mean, it, it's a pretty crazy story, but yeah, just yeah. For, I mean, I've seen it happen before. It's happened many times before. I, I mean, it's a familiar story, but I'm interested to know more about this one. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, the well-oiled machine that that that, that is the banter. Um, <laughs> uh, we, listen, it's a miracle we're still here. You know, to be honest, we've been going for years, years and years and years and years. In media world, we're we're like a dinosaur. In, in yeah, seriously, 
on the on the internet we really are um that we're <laughs> still alive um yeah. even <laughs> given the you know how tough is how tough the, the the game is and how how you know cutthroat it is and it's really it's a really tough industry to be in i i i and i have sympathy like you know when you hear these stories part of me has sympathy even the people who are like shitty you know shitty websites i kind of like mm. i feel bad for them i know how hard it is to to keep going in in, in this kind of climate you know and uh, yeah. but justin what happened with addicting info can you give us a kind of a brief because it is a pretty crazy story well i mean so they were ad driven and what one of the, and they used to split the ad revenue with the staff right so Whatever your article made, half of it went to the stat, to the writer, and half of it went to the site. Which you know that's not unfair. But then they started tweaking the ad revenue. Like um, there's several different types of ads. You know, there's Google ads and there's um, I forget the rest. But like there's several different type of ad companies, and they started placing different types of ads in more prominent places. And those would be the ones that would make more money, and that money would go to Addicting Info, and then the ones that the writers would get the money from would be in the less prominent places, so they would start getting less and less money, and the writers didn't have access to see how much money in a, a particular article was making. So an article could still have you know 150,000 views, and they would still they would make like forty dollars from it, hmm. whereas Addicting Info would make like. $250 from it. Uh, those, those are not necessarily accurate numbers, but that's the kind of imbalance that started to occur. Um, so writers who were pulling in like $3,000 a month were pulling in like $400 a month for writing the same amount of articles and getting roughly the same amount of views. Mm. And it just kept diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. Meanwhile, the, the, the two owners were just raking in a crap load of money and they were just lying about it and they wouldn't show us how much money the site was making, which was a huge red flag. Hmm. So it was no longer an even balance. And then they wanted us to sign a contract. I forget the specifics of it, but it was all the power was weighted towards management and the writers had absolutely nothing. You know, so basically they just wanted essentially a virtual sweatshop where the writers just cranked out article after article after article for peanuts for nothing. Yeah. Where they were just raking in all this money and they were making an awful lot of money. Who's you know, even even after um everything went to shit, like in you know, Facebook started cutting stuff, they were still making a massive amount of money. Who who is behind editing info? I forget about. I forget who the, the... Um, it was a guy named Matthew Desmond and Icarus. Uh, Icarus, whose name was Daniel something. I can't remember his last name. I would have to look it up. But um, but yeah, it was it was Matt. It was Matthew's first, and then he brought Icarus on as a Daniel on as a partner. And, you know, once the site started making a ton of money, they just started getting greedier and greedier and greedier, especially yeah. Daniel. Dan I mean, really, most of it came from from Daniel because, you know, his wife, he had his wife running a site. He had his brother running a site and they were making 
money hand over the hand over fist and the writers just started getting less and less and less and it turned into a grift that, that, which is those were the days though those were the days of the facebook algorithm stuff you know where you could, yeah you know you had these massive facebook groups and you could just get crazy amounts of traffic from from facebook. exactly and with the traffic came a huge amount of money mm. And no and I mean, they're not the first. They're not the first liberals to you know, you know, get the the dollar signs in their eyes and just throw all of their ethics out the window. But it was really sad to watch it happen firsthand. Yeah. It was yeah. really yeah. sad. Well, it was uh, for me. I was at Addicting Info for five minutes there, somewhere in 2015, late 2015, and. I just I, I couldn't deal with the clickbait atmosphere of it. The only way you would get uh, any revenue whatsoever based on your writing was if you just threw caution to the wind, threw integrity to the wind and just wrote clickbait. And it was just not my style. And the other thing that I saw at Addicting Info was an unstable business model, a business model that was entirely dependent on the Facebook algorithm sending them traffic. And that. Yeah turned out to be and I was kind of right about that turned out to be unsustainable because Facebook you know you don't it, it's very difficult to establish a business model based on a third party's platform because then you're completely subject to the whim of that platform that platform goes down you're kind of screwed so with the Facebook thing, I, I was familiar enough with the Facebook shenanigans at that point, just through being a, the daily banter and seeing how Facebook affected our traffic there, that uh, when I was at Addicting Info, I was like, this this is not going to last. But I mean, for me, the main decision point for me to leave uh, was this is not, there's not nearly as much uh, money as I was expecting. And whatever money I was getting was not worth uh, having to set aside my, you know, my values when it came to uh, the kind of topics I choose to write. And so it became just a, a process of churning out things that I was not that's really particularly it. proud of or, or happy with. So that was <laughs> that's what made me leave. And I could also see everything that Justin was seeing. Obviously, Kimberly had worked at Addicting Info for a period of time there, too. So I had some insight in terms of what to what to expect on the upside and the downside. And so some of the downside things were certainly coming to emerging to the forefront. So that, that was my experience there. Yeah. And I fought it. I fought them tooth and nail over that because at one point mm -hmm. I was the editor. Like I was the I was the head editor. I was the editor in chief. And I was running the site. Yeah. And I fought them tooth and nail over the clickbait thing. It was like, we can't turn into clickbait. If we turn into clickbait, we have to, you have to escalate. You always have to escalate when you're clickbait. You have to yeah. have more dramatic headlines and more dramatic stories. I'm like, well, you can't, you can't keep that up because then you turn into a garbage website that no one's going to read, want to read anything that you put out because you're untrustworthy, you're garbage. No one's going to give a shit about anything that you write, but we were making so much money they didn't want to hear about it, so they fired me as the editor and bumped me back down to a writer and regular editor, like, you know, standard yeah. editor. And I begged them not to do it, and they didn't listen. And it was like – and they, and then it just spiraled. And that's, mm -hmm. everything I told them was going to happen is exactly what happened, and now the site doesn't exist anymore. Like, by the time it was over – I mean, if you – you know those graphics they put up and they show all the different websites and – um and news sources like you know how how um, liberal they are and how trustworthy they are addicting info was 
always near the bottom of trustworthiness, and there was no reason for that to ever be that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but I mean, Bob, you you have been around. Not to I don't I don't want to make you feel old here, but you. Have been <laughs> well, actually, I've been both of us. We, we we've been kind of doing this um, before clickbait even existed, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you, you started before I did, but I, you know, I started the Daily Banter before Facebook was w- w- ever existed. And I, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get into that a bit, bit later, Bob, but, but you, I mean, you, your site, Bob Seska Go, um, um, has been around for what year did you start? Uh, yeah, it's, it actually precedes that. I mean, you know, my history with politics goes back to high school. I first started writing politics, uh, for my high school newspaper in, oh my God, 1987, 1988, somewhere around there. And, uh, and that kind of inspired me before Ben was born. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. When Ben, when Ben was six years old, that's well, no, I was, no, it's fine. Yeah, I, I don't mind. When Ben was in kindergarten, I was writing about politics in high school. Yeah, um, and I, it was just to me, it was revelatory to when I finally, because I, I'd always been interested in politics. My parents, uh, especially my dad, worked in Washington D.C. at the Treasury Department, and so I was born and raised around Washington, D.C. I was able to experience the, you know, the, the sense of kind of palpable energy that you get in that town uh, when you visit there. And that kind of inspired me to uh, become interested in politics when I was in high school. And at the time, I was a Republican. Uh, I had started the Young Republicans Club in my high school, which today still exists at my high school, some what are 30 years later, something like that. Um, and and so I was writing for my high school newspaper, and I still have some of those high school newspapers, and it's painful to read some of that old shit. Oh my god, I wish I could burn all of it, but it's I I, I wheel it out every time my my ego starts to get too big. I was like, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna read some of my old high school newspaper articles and pull me back down to earth. What were um, some of your positions, Bob? Come, on, give, give, give us an insight. Give us a you know. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not going to ask you to publish them. On- <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was basically like an Alex P. Keaton family ties kind of conservative. I mean, that was my template. It was like that and the Morton Downey Jr. show, which was a, a syndicated talk show, kind of the earliest version of the stuff that we see on Fox News now, where it was kind of a combination of the Phil Donahue, Oprah Winfrey format, but with the political angle to it. And uh, and so that was very popular in the middle 1980s. And so that was, uh, you know, in the 80s, you know, being a conservative was kind of a, a cool thing to be for a period of time there. And so I didn't know anything. I was just a kid. I was raised Catholic. And so this seemed to fit. Plus, I was really into heavy metal and I had long hair. And so I figured, OK, well, if, if I take on these conservative politics, it, it'll make my parents less disappointed in me. <laughs> so. That was kind of the motivation, uh, to be perfectly honest about it. And then I went off to uh, co- uh, college, and I was doing the same thing in college. I mean, just to answer your question, Ben, real quick, my um, it, one of the things I used to do with the high school newspaper is I was the Republican side of a point-counterpoint thing, where one of my friends was you know, the Democrat, and we would pick a topic every week, and we would write each side of it, and so on. 
And so uh, that continued into college where I was writing on the uh, college newspaper and an editor in the college. I was the opinions editor uh, in the college newspaper and then became the editor in chief there. And so throughout college, I was doing that. Um, and so, uh, but something happened in my career where I was doing, uh, you know, I'd always wanted to pursue radio and combine my interest in politics with my interest in radio. And that was kind of the uh, motivation there. And something happened where I left radio to start something called uh, or to be a uh, to be part of something called the Internet. And in whatever it was, 1996, 1997, it was still very young. I was aware of AOL and all that shit. But uh, someone I knew at the uh, Reading Eagle newspaper in Reading, Pennsylvania, had started this website. It was supposed to be a local online newspaper, uh, you know, on the Internet. It was something that was kind of unique at the time. And uh, I became uh, one of the editors on that. And so that's how I got started in the Internet. And then I started doing cartoons. I did cartoons for like, uh, you know, 10 years. I started my own animation studio just you know, I'm, I'm not going into a lot of details here, but suffice to say, when I started working on the internet, there was software that you could make cartoons with. I started doing that, and that led to this sideline for 10 years doing car animated cartoons. Um, but always at the same time, I'd always kept a section on my discussion forum on my website dedicated to talking about politics. And so in the early 2000s, certainly around the 2000 election and 9-11 and so on, I was writing about politics. It was just was happening on my discussion forum at uh, campchaos.com. That was my website, my cartoon website, of all things. And uh, that led to once the 2004 election happened and there was significant disappointment when John Kerry lost uh, and, and the whole notion of another four years of George W. Bush was soul crushing. And so the, um, the upside of that 2004 election was that I decided to start my own political blog, um, which at the time was called reality based nation it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Which, you know, <laughs> that I, obviously I registered the domain name, bobseska.com and used that instead. But that was the beginning of my, uh, blog and, uh, I almost right away, 2000, I started my blog, 2004, 2005, I got uh, a call from Roy Seacoff at the Huffington post who, um, we had a mutual friend, uh, a friend of his worked in cartoons. I knew that same guy. And so that guy put me in touch with Roy Seacoff. Roy Seacoff wanted to do cartoons, animated cartoons, uh, on the Huffington post. And so that's, he called me. And he said, you know what, while we're still working out this cartoon thing, I'll give you a, a username and password and you can start blogging. And so that's how I started writing for the Huffington Post in August of 2005. So in a technical sense, my modern career writing politics started in 2005 for the Huffington Post. And then um, maybe five, great. four or five years later. Yeah. That was say that? I was just going to say that. I think that a lot of people don't really might not know how, how much of a big deal that 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 was. You would have featured columnists on what was it Thursdays, right? Yeah, it was Wednesdays. Uh, Ariana Wednesday. Huffington had a particular spot on the front page above the fold of the Huffington Post, and once it became too taxing for her to fill that space every day of the week, she would farm out that space to 
a handful of other writers and I happen to be one of them. I was up there nice. every Wednesday. Yeah. So my publishing day was Wednesday and then they would stick me in that slot, you know, above the fold, which was just in terms of real estate on that site, it was golden. It was oh, yeah. such a crazy fun. time. I mean, at, at the time at the Huffington Post, they had open comments. You didn't even have to register the comment at the Huffington Post. So it was just unfettered traffic. You'd get just hundreds of thousands of views and tens of thousands of comments. It was an immense environment for expressing politics. I, I wish I was more seasoned at that point in time. I wish I was a I wish I had been a better writer at that time to fully take advantage of the visibility that that provided. And then it was um, maybe 2009, Ben, when you and I hooked up uh, with the Daily Banter. Uh, you obviously you had started the Daily Banter, and and uh, we had started doing a kind of an ad network thing where we connected all of our blogs together under the banner of the Daily Banter, and that kind of got me started working with you, and then eventually with Ches when you started doing the group uh, when you turned the Daily Banter into a group website where. I guess it was at the time called a group blog, but it was more like the sorts of websites you see now. So it was really ahead of the curve at that point in time. So that that's kind of how I got started, but it's something that I've always, always been interested in and, uh, and gone through an entire evolution. I mean, I, I really try to uh, not be overly static with my points of view. Um, certainly, I allow facts and information to guide where my politics are. And so I've never considered myself necessarily ideological. I just sort of examine the truth, what's a, the factual reality that we exist in, and and base my views on each issue uh, around that. So that's kind of how it uh, started for me. And and obviously there's been lots and lots of twists and turns along the line. And it, it only was um, I, I think maybe I want to say two thousand. Uh, 11 somewhere around there that I started doing it as a full-time job where I was no longer doing cartoons uh, You know balancing cartoons and political writing at that point in time Thanks to you Ben and the daily banter. I was able to do this, uh, you know as my job and that that's something I'm eternally grateful for because that's also led to podcasting which is between podcasting and writing I mean that's still to this day my uh, full-time work Bob, I, I got a question for you I, could, I don't. I don't think you mentioned it. It, it. Was there any one particular thing that you drifted from being a Republican to not being a Republican, or is it just a gradual? It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's a good question. I, I'm not really a Republican anymore. Yeah, yeah. That was it. It was uh, leaving home. It was going to college. It was experiencing the real world firsthand. It was being. Exposed College to knowledge. indoctrination. Academia. That's yes, that's right. Those you liberal institutions, man. <laughs> You know, but shockingly, I didn't have many liberal professors. Uh, you know, my very first uh, uh, politics professor was my obviously my first semester since political science was my uh, was my major. My first college professor in politics, this guy, uh, Dr. Richard Close, was kind of a moderate, maybe a, a center right Democrat. He was a Democrat, but he was a conservative Democrat. And. Uh, so it wasn't really that it was more just realizing that there's more to this than just, you know, a performancey superficial attitude about the world. You had to absorb factual reality and reflect that with your politics rather than deciding 
I'm Republican and then filling in the blanks after. So once I got to college and this is something that I certainly observe a lot now, there are a lot of people and Candace Owens is one in particular that I, I've noticed uh, firsthand. She was on Joe Rogan in the past couple of years. I forget exactly when it was, but she was talking about her transformation from a liberal to a conservative. And she discussed it as if it happened overnight. One day I went to bed. I was a liberal. I woke up the next morning. Whoops, I'm a conservative. I wonder what happened that day. Could it be that the contract kicked in? Could it be that the first check <laughs> arrived? I'm just asking questions. But the reality is that it never happens that way. You hear from someone who changes their politics overnight, be There's extremely dubious. Yeah. Ryan Knight, for example, suddenly changes his politics. Uh, evening of the New Hampshire primary, his whole politics changed from one thing to another thing. Uh, that is deeply suspicious to me because for me, it wasn't like flipping a light switch. It was a long, gradual process. But it started once I got out of my parents' house and was living on my own in college. And maybe by the end of my second semester of college, I was much more fully formed as a liberal at that point. Uh, and, and so, but that was a, a relatively long transition period um, politically. Uh, and again, it was because of being exposed to all of the, you know, real world, all of the actual factual reality that we uh, we exist in now. And so uh, that's kind of how it happened. It, it's it's a it's an evolutionary process. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. All right, Ben, after you yeah. tell yours, I got I got to I got to tell you guys how I figured out if I was a Republican or a Democrat. It's a short story, but let me I'm going to let you go first because well, okay. you need to go. Yes, um, <clears throat> I got started uh, with the Daily Bouncer. I think it was in 2006, actually, uh, wow. where I, it was sort of born out of an immense frustration by watching the, the coverage of the first, of, of, the, of the Gulf War or of the, of the Iraq War. Yeah. And the way that the kind of the media just completely botched that in, in, in unimaginably stupid and pathetic ways. I mean, you all saw that. I mean, the, that the liberal media, the right wing media, the liberal media, everybody, everybody, like it was like some huge brainwashing event where where George Bush became sort of you know his administration became the 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 ultimate truth. Um, what they said was reality. Yeah, that was pretty scary stuff, and I wasn't even really paying attention at that point, and it was still scary stuff. Yeah, it was it was it was it's a scary time, and I was mm -hmm. in and out of America at that point. I'd done a I was. Didn't you know? I'd lived in the US when I was a teenager for a bit, and then I'd gone back to the UK. Then I did a year abroad at Oregon State uh, in 2003, I believe that was, and that was during the year of the. Or that was as the war was was you know as the invasion was happening. Uh, <clears throat> I was in uh, on campus in in Corvallis in Oregon. I remember pro-war marches on campus. Um, coming from a very liberal university in the UK to an incredibly conservative one in the US. Uh, and just thinking like what I was living in, you know, in a completely different reality. And it was just immensely frustrating watching the media just capitulate to the bullshit, the Bush administration's bullshit. Mm. So I'd moved to back to the US after college. I was in LA at the time and I just thought, 
you know what, I need to do something about this. Like if I'm going to talk, all, I'm going to talk all this crap and um, I'm so angry and frustrated by what, what has happened and what was then happening in Iraq uh, that I wanted to do something, you know, I wanted to, I don't know, be a part of uh, at least, you know, try, try to do something. So it started, created the Daily Banter with my friend Ari Rutenberg, who Bob, you've met Ari. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, who I'm still very, still a very close friend of mine. I'm not involved in in the kind of politics stuff anymore, but but back then we ran it together, built the daily banter. Just you know, did, did, did I look back at the writing back then? Yeah, not not that great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always a terrible idea to look back at your old articles. It makes you just want to cry. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. not not that great. But but there are you can I you know that there is a we bought the dailybanter.com and. Um, did okay, you know. We were in the in the the blogosphere as it as it was known back then. Um, this is previous to the Facebook news feed, two thousand six, before Facebook even was even there. It hadn't even been created. Mm. So uh, we were doing that, and I read Bob's. Rob, I used to read Bob's site all the time, uh, and Bob was kind of like one of the 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 blogosphere's kind of superstars in in that world. <laughs> Bob, Bob was like a real big deal. Bob and 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 Chez as well, like with Deus Ex Malcontent. Um, Chez's Chez's uh, blog was just huge, and and I think I just like you know, Bob as you discussed in about two thousand nine, I got frustrated with there being absolutely no viable business model for you know writing online. I was dedicating hours and hours and hours of de- like working pretty much full time on it as as many hours as I could in the day while working other jobs uh, I was teaching martial arts and doing personal training all this kind of stuff to, to try and support myself while I was doing this but I came up with the you know that that was then you started seeing ad networks blossoming and and um, these people were actually being you know able to make a little bit of money out of their writing and I figured that if we grouped together in a series you know a group of blogs got together we would have more success in attracting higher paying ad, you know, ads. Yeah. You were way ahead of the curve on that one. That's for sure. Yeah. That's when I started the Bantam media group and like did some deals with some ad companies, you know, some ad companies were interested, uh, had a kind of, I think we had up to like, at one point we, there were like 20 to 25 sites in the network at one point. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a kind of widget on, on, on the side of everyone's blog and, uh, you know that link to the headline and in, in, in everybody else's piece, like a like a what do you call it? Um, a blog roll. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you were roll. definitely ahead of your time. You yeah, innovator, you. You know, got um, get got a developer to create one for us. Um, it was, yeah, and then uh, and then obviously like that um, that morphed then into uh, the daily banter as a kind of a site for. As a group blog, uh, Bob, as you as you discussed, and that was I think that was about two thousand and twelve, right? Two thousand thirteen, two thousand twelve. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I distinctly remember meeting with you and Ari at a uh, Korean barbecue place in L.A. in yeah. twenty ten. It was the spring of twenty ten. So sometime after that, maybe that's when. Um, it started to evolve the blog, the group blog idea. It started to shift from the advertising model to the group blog model. Maybe that was the shift point. I don't know. Yeah, that that was. I think it was kind of in the pipeline, and and yeah. and one of the reasons why we did it, the reason why, like I, I mean, remember trying to get chairs on board. That yes. was 
like pulling teeth. That was, uh, yeah. I remember that was difficult. That yep. was difficult. Um, uh, because it was a, basically a survival strategy. It was like, okay, if we have our own individual blogs, I, I cannot get decent paying ads on everyone's site because advertisers were like, no, we want their, you know, we want to have quality control. If it's like on a load of random blogs, we don't know, you know, it's like the brand, what's the brand? Um, we're not going to run ads on. So the, I had ad networks. At one point, we were doing, everything was doing pretty well. And then the ad network that I'd done a deal with pulled out uh, because they said, well, we don't like some of the sites in your network, so we're going to pull out. And then yeah. it was like, okay, well, this is not sustainable. So we decided, I think that's when we were like, okay, well, we'll just start the Daily Banter and have everybody mm-hmm. kind of write for that. Everybody, whoever wants to write for that can write for that and manage to kind of keep an advertise, you know, keep a very, you know, high quality ad um, company that would work with us. And it kind of morphed from there. And it was, it was actually really cool that, you know, for me, that was um, a really amazing experience because I got to write Bob with you and Chez, you know, so it was like, I was part of the same publication that you guys were part of. And that was, it, you know, it, it, that hadn't been the original intention. It had been to have like the, you know, to have this blog network, but it morphed into something more. It, and then it kind of took off, took on its own life, really. Um, I, I was, I had also been writing for the Huffington Post. Um, uh, they, they uh, so that was good. I was getting a bit more kind of not notoriety, but but I think that I, I wasn't a nobody in in the space back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and it kind of turned into like it was kind of exciting really back then because because we started this website and we were and then Facebook newsfeed came around and we were at you know for f- four or five years we built that thing we built it from I've got the traffic stats we built it from you know five thousand views a month uh, one month you know we started out at five thousand views in two thousand twelve. Uh, all the way up to, I think one of the years, one of the one month, we did I think over six point five million people one month came to the banter. That wasn't every month, but that wow. was that was our best month, I think. Mm. Um, and it was pretty cool. Like it was, it was. We had a great time. I mean, it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was, well, it was, it was, it, it, I think what distinguished the daily banter at that point in time when it was really firing on all cylinders because of, you know, the ability to uh, promote the site, to get the word out about it, uh, where that was completely unfettered. We had a personality on that site. That was that was the main, I think, selling point of the daily banter. I think we had a, a nice, diverse group of interesting people writing for that site. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's something that you can't necessarily duplicate. I think a lot of it had to do. Chez brought so much to the table. I want to really make sure we emphasize <laughs> Chez at the Daily Banter, because once you finally convinced him to join the site, uh, you know, that was like golden. That was like supercharging. It was like, uh, you know, having nitrous hooked up to your car. <laughs> it was uh, an really amazing was. thing to watch. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, boy, like. Man- I've got to say, managing chairs has been one of the toughest things that I've ever done. <laughs> I love this to pieces, but yeah, cropping a JPEG was particularly telling Chez how to crop a JPEG was an interesting uh, tutorial that I think one of us had to engage in that. Ben, I think I was on the periphery of it. I think it was you mainly who was trying to coach him through cropping a JPEG, and he could. 
Yeah, and he would, he would, he he would like email me going, "I can't fucking do this." Like, what? <laughs> God's telling me to do this, and I can't do it. What's he talking about? I'm like, okay, just calm down. Let's let's get on a jump on the call chairs, and I'll talk you through it. It's fine. <laughs> but but he would do uh, all sorts of other things, like, um, you know, he would attack. He attacked an ex girlfriend of mine, right uh, on 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 the website. Right, she, who was a yeah. she was a reporter. I, I won't go into too many details here, but basically, wake up one morning, and uh, Chess has written a piece, right, a long piece, basically going after uh, uh, someone I had dated, right, and who who I was still who I was friendly with, and hadn't run it past me, right. Oh, and I'm like, I called him up. I'm like, Chess, what the what have you done, right? <laughs> Right. I and remember I like, this. Yeah. Oh my god! I got this stream of abuse from from the the this this, this girl who who you know look maybe she deserves some of it but not the way that Ches like he really went for it <laughs> went back, right oh, and and it went back and forth and I was like listen Ches I I made a deal with you man I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't publish so you write whatever you want right I'm not going to tell you what you can write. I'm not going to censor you nothing. I'm, all I'm going to tell you, man, is that you're making my life a goddamn misery right now. <laughs> you really are making things fucking difficult. So, of course, of course, Ches then writes another piece the next day in a follow-up. Right? Wow. Kept, he kept this thing going. He kept this thing going. And I got, I was getting like abuse, like oh, this torrent of abuse from, from this girl I was dating. Like, oh, my God. It went on for like for a few days. And uh, she was like, you need to take this down. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm like, no. I had to tell her, no, I'm not taking it down because I, like, I, God knows why I managed to, I, I said to Chez that this was part of, well, I said it to everybody. I'm like, look, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't say. I don't, you know, it's none of my business, right? It's like, you're going to, like, we can't publish things that are false, but, but you know, you, you say what you want to say. Um, so Chez obviously then took that to a, an extreme. Um, so, it was like, I mean, he said, you know, yeah. yeah. So I had to like publish a thing where I, I said, you know, I published something and I was like, look, I don't agree with what Ches is saying, but Ches has the right to say it. So I want to put my opinion out here that I don't, I don't think that he's being fair here. Um, so basically, which pissed off mm-hmm. everybody. So it wasn't good enough for anybody, right? My the the girl I was dating was like, that was poor. That was like enough. You know, you didn't take it. You didn't take the articles down and Ches was like oh you threw me under the bus everybody was upset with me everybody well i gotta say ben the the fact that you that you let us write pretty much anything that we want has been something i've always seriously appreciated oh yeah back when back when i was writing for the the daily banter as as opposed to the right the banter like you know my member i was i was starting to say this before but i said let me save it for the podcast um, my member, on, my members only articles usually tended to not be about politics because um, we were talking about this before because, you know, we occasionally break from politics, which is what this entire podcast today's podcast is about. Mm-hmm. But my my members only articles would almost always be about um, my family or Jordan's autism or just something that was not political. And I appreciated that you let me write those articles. And I found that um you know our our readers appreciated that one because it was a break from uh politics but also the stuff i tend to write about uh, tends to be topics that people aren't always comfortable discussing 
um, you know, parenting as a father, uh, dealing with autism. And I always felt it was good to talk about this stuff because it lets people know that they're not alone in that. You know, it's, it's, there's, you know, when you're dealing with autism, is it, there's never enough outreach. There's always more that you can do for outreach and that people need to hear that they're not alone. Um, that when you're, you're, you're raising girls, especially as a father, it's okay to talk to them about things that, you know, it's like, oh my God, you can't talk to a girl about sex. It's like, of course you can. You can talk to her about sex. You can talk to her about sexism. You can talk to her about, you can talk to your little kids about racism. I know recently there's been a whole thing about when are kids old enough? When are white kids old enough to hear about racism? They're, as soon as uh, black kids are old enough to experience racism, well, then white kids are old enough to learn about racism. These are conversations I've been having with Anastasia since she was four. Hmm. You know, and it's just, I mean, this is stuff I've been writing about for years. And this is, uh, these, I love writing those articles and I love talking about my life as a father and as a, you know, as a caregiver and about Jordan and about like, as he's progressing through his, you know, as, as he grows up. And I just love the fact that you've been letting me write those articles for years. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, mean, oh, right. I may not be doing this right now, Ben, if it hadn't been for uh, you starting the daily banter and bringing me on and, and paying me a monthly salary to do that. And it was uh, an immense opportunity and I will be forever grateful for it. I mean, it, well, I not only, that. not only being able to work with Chaz, but being able to work with you and, and knowing how uh, generous and forward thinking you are and, uh, and how adventurous you are with these things, because I want to make sure we emphasize the fact that what you get on the banter, what you used to get on the daily banter, was never driven by let's make sure we throw clickbait out there let's make sure we drive as much traffic uh, the truth be damned integrity be damned we're just going to do this you have always kept this thing uh centered and squarely on the idea of writing what we believe in writing the truth reflecting the truth and that i think doesn't nearly get as much appreciation as it should especially now when <clears throat> excuse me there's a lot of drive to actually, uh, you know, sell out. And yeah, do you have never thing. once directed I mean, me to write about a particular topic. Yeah. Not once yep. in five years. Not once. Well, I appreciate that, guys. I mean, you know, look, like, I, I think there's always a risk with these things where you just think like, well, okay, I'm going to write about this and I have no idea what, what's going to happen here. And like, you know, but at the end of the day, I think if you're not if you're not able to do this, like then why? I don't know. The idea of just being this, you know, just a writer that you get a beat and you have to cover this and day in day out, and mm -hmm. you know you're not allowed to show in no personality. And this is what the problem was with the media. I think back in you know the, the kind of corporate media back in the day that that it was you weren't really allowed to say what you thought and 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 you know you had to pretend to be a very serious person. And like, no, just human beings, and you know we can be serious people and take what we do seriously. But we're also people, uh, you know, yeah. and and you know, getting I think the kind of the mix that we had and have at the banter is just, I think I don't know. You you can't really sustain these things. You can't really. It's no fun. It's no. It's not that. What's your reason? You know, and that's one of the kind of reasons I I like Ched was always a kind of this barometer for me about you know. Hmm. He would literally write whatever the fuck he would write recipes down. 
right? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember he would like post a recipe because he just couldn't be bothered? He's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, anyway, here's a recipe for, <laughs> for this. Uh, we, it, we, we had we had our own Hunter S. Thompson on the Daily Banter and, and Chez. That was what uh, Chez was. He was that kind of gonzo writer. And he had the chops. He was one of the best writers I've ever read in my life. And so a combination of his attitude and his writing chops, it was just golden. Yeah, and I think, you know, but it, 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 in a way, you know, it kind of allowed, it just set a tone really and helped everybody else just find their feet a bit more and, and for us to kind of, mm-hmm. everybody else to sort of have, have a, it, that similar, not say the same style as Chez, but, but our own just, okay, look, we're just going to put down what we, what we feel, you know? Yeah. Like, Bob, you've written yeah. some, like both of you guys have written some amazing stuff, uh, some really, really fantastic um, pieces that I've just Im- enjoyed immensely, you know, particularly for the members only stuff. I mean, one of the, I was thinking, Bob, one of the, the pieces that I really enjoyed that you wrote, do you remember you did that series on Hawaii? Oh yeah. 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 That yeah, was fun. It was fantastic. Uh, it was fantastic. And, 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 you know, just, and all the stuff you've written about your kids and, uh, you, you know, it's it's really interesting, and it might not be everybody's cup of tea. And you know, again, apologies to the audience if you don't like everything. Like, I get emails sometimes going, "Why are you writing like this? I don't want to hear about that." And it's like, okay, look, well, you know, there are other things to read. You know, I'm not putting a gun to your head and forcing you to read this. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, so you know, and if we don't, and I feel if we don't have space to, you know, write what we feel and write what we want to write about, then this this thing comes to an end you know this thing doesn't work mm. anymore uh which is why you know today i was like you know let's we could talk about i don't know uh <clears throat> what's happening on politics at the moment or uh the latest republican shenanigans but it's i don't know i wasn't feeling it today yeah well plus your wife is about to give birth and so the, the fact that you're yeah. even doing this today is astonishing yeah, to me yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah, for everybody we're, we're, my, we're my wife is nine months pregnant we're about to any any day now um so we're, we're really waiting um uh for the next uh, for our number two child to, <laughs> to be born so we haven't slept much this week yeah um, i have no <laughs> idea how you're concentrating on any of this <laughs> <laughs> right well hence this podcast right where we don't have to, yeah. i don't have to i don't have to think about politics so that's right we can have a nice uh, you know a, a, a fun discussion um but god well listen I'll, I'll i'll leave it on that note i think um we, we've uh Everyone's told their story. Uh, I want to thank all our listeners for supporting the show and the newsletter and uh, and giving us the opportunity to do episodes like this. And again, if you're if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support what we do, please, please become a member. Um, you'll get access to all of our premium content and you can brag about being a Banter member. You'll follow us on Twitter at The Daily Banter and on Facebook. Um, just search for The Daily Banter. And we will see you all next time. Take care. Bye.